Welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about What a Terrible World, What a Beautiful World, the latest album from the Decemberists and their first in four years. It begins with Colin Malloy delivering a heartfelt message to his fans. We know... We know we belong to you. We know you threw your arms around us in the hopes we wouldn't change, but we had to change some. We know to belong. But with fame came a mounting claim for the evermore You know, so when your bridal processional Is a televised confessional To the benefits of Axe Shampoo You know we did it for you we did it all for you. We know. That was The Singer Addresses His Audience, and it's a song where the band is kind of making fun of artists who quote-unquote sell out and allow their songs to be used to market undesirable products like Axe Body Spray. It's also making fun of fans who get too emotionally invested in a band and forget that they're actually human beings who grow and change and their music changes too. And I think that's an accurate description of what's happening to the Decemberists over the course of this album. Yes, as as a first song should, this acts as a bit of a mission statement for the album. And I think the first thing that it says to the audience is that, you know, we have a sense of humor about ourselves as a band and about your relationship to us. And it's I think it's a sense of humor that's affectionate. Their fans aren't obsessed like this. And I don't think the Decemberists are going to start selling crap shampoo anytime soon. It would be kind of funny if they did, though. I would love to see that ad. Someone, Someone go make that. But that I think is at the same time saying that they have a heck of a lot of musical ambition. They're going to explore new music. And even within the single song, this starts off, it's just a guy singing with a guitar and these additional instruments come in over the course of what we heard there. But it still was very much kind of their traditional like chamber pop sound, mm-hmm. very backwards looking, I would say. But by the end of the song, it takes I think it really moves in an unexpected direction and evolves into this almost operatic kind of psych rock and so I I would love to just play a few seconds of that to hear the contrast I love that the band has this kind of range that it can go from a guy with a guitar all the way to this insane rock orchestra at the end there. 
if I have a complaint, it's that they're giving us the dessert first, that there's this huge climax, this crescendo in this song. And I think there's very little in this album that really matches that level of intensity. I, I feel like that's not true because right at the beginning, we have this real musical intensity with a lot of cacophony and, and you know, all the instruments. Whereas at the end of the album, we end with a really stripped down musicality, but um, a lot more emotional intensity. So it's going from one pole of intensity to the other and kind of demonstrating their range that way. But I also took this beginning as kind of more like the overtures that you get at the beginning of a musical where that's kind of the style where there's this big buildup with all the orchestra instruments, like sort of before the curtain first opens and it's intended to get you primed, you know, and and amped up for what's about to come. And maybe I'm set up to think that way because the Decemberists generally have kind of performed their records like a musical where there are characters and it's built around a central story and it feels very performative. And that's actually what has always kind of put me off about them was that yeah they, they have that th- theatricality that I, I think it's charming personally but it can be a bit much yeah and, and to me it feels like they're always kind of performing in a play and there's no real genuine human emotion and that's kind of what I'm looking for when I listen to music and some people like it but I always found it a little off-putting but you know I think this record represents a change from that And their last album, which came out at the beginning of 2011, The King is Dead, was kind of going in that direction. And I think this is a continuation of that trajectory. So I think this next song, which is called Make You Better, is a good example of that. several songs on the album that really builds with the addition of instruments over the course of the song and there's you know piano and then organ and maybe even a banjo and at the same time though it has more much more of a pop structure where there are these delicate choruses but then these driving excuse me delicate verses and driving choruses and it's a love song what could be a more pop song than that but it's about imperfection of real people. And it's really, I think, contrasting that with the kind of idealized version of love that is presented in most pop love songs. That's kind of what I was getting at about this record being a move towards songs that are more personal and have more genuine emotion in them. And this is clearly a song that's about a relationship that seems real and it's expressing sentiments that are a lot more relatable than, for example, being in love with a crane that turns into a human woman or back into a crane. I don't actually remember. Yeah, I really liked that album, of course, but uh, yeah, it, it is more relatable. At the same time, it is the same artist who made that other album, singing about a 
perfect paramour that you were in your letters. I mean, they, they have that cleverness, but it's sort of harnessed to a more satisfying kind of end here. And you can tell that Colin Malloy is still kind of uncomfortable with getting too personal because the lyrics in these songs, except for the penultimate song, which we'll get to later, are still very abstract. And I think it works well here that you can give it multiple meanings. And I like in particular the way that you can take the Make You Better title and chorus as being an expression of the way that good relationships help each person to be their best self and inspire you to be a better person. Or you could also take it as needing someone to heal you and make you healthy and, you know, having that person make you better. Yeah, I, 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 I took that ambiguity definitely to be not so much just that, but about this sort of contrast between whether you're actually improving or whether you just have this delusional idea that the relationship is going to fix all your problems for you. And it's not clear, I think, in this song which of those it is, but at least, you know, the singer understands that there is that difference. And I think that that's an idea that runs not just in this song, but it, there's this idea of are, are you mature enough to make a real connection to someone or not? And that's something that is explored further, I think, on this next song that we'll listen to, The Wrong Year. Gray Jane was a river child Born down by the river wild Said hey what I wanna be Nobody's gonna the Decemberists are going back to a more narrative style telling the story of young romance and how confusing it can be and this I really like this lyric of she wants you but you won't do and I think it's a really vivid portrayal of kind of that manic pixie dream girl archetype but I think you're hitting on what I said earlier that some of the lyrics on this record are I think are trying to get at more personal experience but because maybe Kamala is not quite comfortable with that he tends to be more to be very abstract and circumspect and I really have no idea what this song is supposed to be about. It's got a really lovely melody and instrumentation, but the lyrics are just kind of this poetic nonsense. Yeah, I would be a little less harsh, maybe. I feel like it's... And I think, actually, the song has grown on me as I've listened to it. I mean, to be clear, I really like this song. (laughs) Yeah, and that's true. I think even the weak songs on this album are really listenable and really well-written and performed. But I think, like any fiction, you know, he's telling a story, but he's doing that to try and get at the truth of the experience that he's lived. And, you know, you do get that sense that he's he's thinking back to experiences he's had and kind of dramatizing them, that he's he's gotten out there and lived and loved and and to experience that that feeling of and there's another lyric that I really like in the bridge that the spirit's willing, the flesh is getting bored, Mm -hmm. which is such a great take on that uh, dichotomy and that he's clearly had to go out there and learn that difference between just infatuation or a physical attraction and something more meaningful and substantive. 
Now, you might notice that that last track was number seven of 14, and the next one we're going to play is number nine, and that's because there's a lot of what felt to me like filler in the first half of the album. They're playing with some different styles up front. I, I actually appreciated that because, you know, going on that um, mission statement in the first song, they're, they're exploring those different styles. So it's like, hey, let's. what if the Decemberists wrote a disco song? Boom, there's your second track. What if the Decemberists wrote a... 50s pop song boom there's your third track like I, I really liked that kind of exploration yeah but I feel like what's the meat of the interesting songs here is here in the back half of the album and if I have any criticism of this record it's that I it didn't need to be 14 tracks and 53 minutes long there's a lot they could have cut out and I think it would have been a cleaner and more impactful artistic statement but whatever I mean I would still like to have them keep what I think is one of the sillier tracks which we'll play next and it's called better not wake the baby Like a painted lady, use your skull like a cannonball, but it better not wake the baby. How long will this go on? How long will it be? Bang your drum till the money's all gone, but it better not wake the baby. Make your moan of your lot in life. Mind have crazy, gouge your eyes with a butter knife, but it better not wake the baby. How long will this go on? How long indeed? Bang your drum till the money's all gone, but it better not wake the baby. Yeah, you called the song silly. I feel like I should agree because. It's dominated by instruments that maybe don't love or don't want to see dominating a song like the accordion and the banjo. This How can of... you say something bad about the accordion? Oh, I like the accordion, but as a lead instrument, you know, that that's like the first thing you hear in the song. Uh-huh. It's, uh, again, a bit much. Everything in, in everything in balance, everything in restraint and taste. And that's just maybe that by itself is not my style. And it's got pretty, I think, yeah, silly lines like gouge your eyes with a butter knife. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that said... It's just incredibly short, incredibly high energy, and it's super catchy. (laughs) And, you know, if there's any silliness, it's, I think, overwhelmed by this fundamental message of, hey, you're an adult, you got a kid, just deal with whatever your crap is and put it aside because you've got more important things to worry about. And so I think, hey, having that kind of goofy instrumentation and, and the silly vocals is a great contrast that kind of takes a little of the edge off that, you know, grow up already kind of message. Yeah, fair enough. That, that reminds me of a really great book I just finished called Department of Speculation by Jenny Offill, and everyone should read it. It's so good. And it's really short, too. And it has a line that's something like, she signed away the right to self-destruct years ago. It's in the fine print on the birth certificate. Okay, that that is a good recommendation for the book. I should check that out. And uh, another thing I like about this is that this is a kind of bluegrass rock, and it's part of this collection of about four songs right at this kind of heart of the album. And again, it's not usually my thing, and yet these songs really work, and I just find this entire section of the album really satisfying. And to me, at least, it felt like kind of the emotional heart of the album, and, and that continues into this next song, anti-summer song.
could be a missing camper van beethoven track with the fiddle and the harmonica and the honky-tonk piano and the goofy call and response and by the way i after i noticed the honky-tonk piano that's even more prominent in the next song we're going to play mistral i was wondering what gives a honky-tonk piano that kind of metallic sound and so i looked it up and it's they actually hammer tacks into the felt pads that are on the hammers that hit the strings and so it's also called a tack piano so there's your trivia for the day Anyway, this was another song for me that just shows the December's ability to just throw a whole bunch of instruments together and create a really cohesive sound. And I think that's really one of their strengths as a band. Yeah, and I think it's interesting you mentioned that because you mentioned the piano. And to me, that didn't even stand out in the song at all. And there are other cases where I think instruments are so blended that I'm not even sure what instrument is happening. I think on this song, there's a place where it's I'm not sure if it's a guitar or a banjo. And then I, on that previous song, Better Not Wake the Baby, there was a section where the accordion was playing and I was convinced it was a hurdy-gurdy. And yeah, that was crazy. But that is the sort of instrument that this band would use. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that this is another song where there's humor brought in with the call and response. And it really you know, leavens a song that's pretty dark. It's about how we need to be a serious artist. And I know every, I love to say that every song is about being a musician, but I feel like this is one where we don't want to sing a, a happy song. We want to sing serious music. And in fact, it gets really dark where they say pop music is a suicide sing-along song. Sing-along suicide song. Sing-along suicide song. That was close. <laughs> Almost. And you said, as you said, there's a group of four songs here that I would describe as sort of bluegrass jams. And then from that, we head into the last three songs, which I see as making up the thematic heart of the album. You said earlier that you thought the bluegrass songs were more of the emotional center. I would disagree. I think these last three songs are where the message really comes through. But the first of these is called Mistral. not a Decemberist album unless I have to look up the, a word in the dictionary or whatever the online equivalent of that is. Again, we are old. 
But I learned that mistral is a Mediterranean wind phenomenon that's kind of like the Santa Anas, and it's associated with really clear weather, and it's apparently the reason why the climate of Provence is so sunny. It's because it blows the bad weather through quick, quickly, and when, when it's blowing, it's, you can see just for miles and miles, and it's really clear and beautiful. So we get this song that's centered on this really great image of this kind of wishing to have the bad weather of your life kind of blown through and just blow away the bad memories and blow away the bad stuff with this beautiful, clear wind. And that imagery, I like how it's matched with this sound where it's almost kind of gospel. There's some of the honky-tonk piano you mentioned, but also this kind of soaring choruses and totally appropriate for a song that's kind of about dealing with hardship and at a certain point just calling on this higher power to help you deal with these problems that are just too much for you to handle sometimes. And I think it's it also functions as a really good setup for the penultimate song, which is titled 121712, 12, and it's written like a date. And according to the press release for the album, it's named for the date of a presidential address that Colin Malloy heard in the wake of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. And he said in the press release, quote, I was hit by a sense of helplessness, but also the message of hold your family close. And that inspired this song and to a greater degree, the whole album. And it, it gives the album its title, What a Terrible World, What a Beautiful World. You know, my love, you only knew how I long for you. How I waste my days wishing you would come around just to have you around. What a dear. What a sweet little baby This cannonball in the bosom of your belly Is just a kick in your belly this point all of the album's playful energy is just gone there's no humor it's not really any theatricality there's just this raw emotion and you know you commented on me liking the earlier stuff but this is something you know it's musically not overwhelming but it just gets at this fundamental question without a lot of ornamentation of how can God be all good and all powerful? That ancient philosophical theological question. Yeah, it's maybe the oldest and most trite idea that humans as a species have ever expressed, which is 
that the world is both beautiful and poignant, but at the same time filled with these horrible tragedies that have no purpose or explanation. And you can't have one without the other. And, you know, you can't, it's not beautiful without it being terrible because that's what makes it special. And it can't be terrible unless it's taking away the beauty. But I think it's expressed in just a really simple and lovely way. And the song starts out with a verse, a verse that we didn't play. Which, said, which goes, here with my heart so whole while others may be grieving, think of their grieving. And it's just this very elemental idea of living a life of gratitude that you can't ever take what you have for granted because you always have to remember that someone else is doing without. It's almost problematic that he's sort of saying it's a gift to know about other people's suffering, but he's, you know, he's trying to appreciate his personal good fortune without, re you know, rejecting the rest of the world. And... I think it's appropriate that this is a really kind of somber, quiet song mm -hmm. to discuss that. But thankfully for me, this is not the end. That would be a heck of a downer to end the album. And so there is at least uh, a chance to continue to create more music that's maybe a little less inward looking and a little more positive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I felt like this song was kind of like the mistral that blows everything away that came before it. And it's just so simple and heartfelt. And I think it would actually be an okay place to end. But they do have one more song to finish on kind of a lighter, more forward-looking note. And that last song is titled, ironically, A Beginning Song. And it sort of takes the emotional tone of 121712 and kind of puts it in a more hopeful direction. And, you know, it's actually my favorite track on the record. So in my view, they save the best for last. So we'll go out with that. Thanks for listening. Let's commence to coordinate our sights Get them square to rise Get them square to rise Condescend to calm this riot in your mind Find yourself in Find yourself in time I am waiting, should I be waiting? And I am wanting, should I be wanting? When Tender of your
is the sunlight is the shadows is the quiet is the word is the beating heart is the ocean the ball.